Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco back with you after a week away. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. We, of course, are live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, and on Twitter at Mass and Nationals. Be sure to give us a follow and subscribe and click notifications. If you get notifications anytime you get uh, we go live, you'll be able to catch us live and be a part of the conversation and join in by commenting along. We like to read your comments throughout the course of the show. So really appreciate you guys joining in. And if not, hopefully you're catching us after the fact. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Let me bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, who's been away for a couple of weeks. Amy, back from vacation, a well-deserved vacation. Good to see you, Amy. How was it? It was a lot of fun, Bobby. I was in New York for a week. I went to a lot of Yankees games. My family's a big, are big Yankee fans, so we went to five Yankee games. So for most people, that might not be a vacation, but for this family, it is. Um, and it was kind of nice to get away and watch a different team for a week, and now I come back, and I don't even know who the Nationals are anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's totally different, right? It's a t- new-look new team. We didn't even get... Sh- uh, your reactions to the uh, to the trades. We'll get those in actually in a little bit, give you a chance to talk about what you thought of uh, all the deals made at the trade deadline since we missed it a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, not too many, hopefully, I don't think. I mean, everyone hates the Yankees, but not too many Orioles fans tuning in or, or AL East fans, I don't think. So you're probably safe to say that you went to a couple of Yankees games. But you did just <laughs> miss the Nats, who are there now in New York, in Queens, uh, playing the Mets. I know I was looking at the schedule and I was hoping that it would like work out that they'd be there the same week, but of course they weren't. And now they're up there, but that would have been awesome to catch, catch both of them at the same time. Well, if you were there or if anyone's there in New York right now, you can catch two games today, basically a double header as last night's game was rained out and going to resume today at four o'clock. And then of course the regular scheduled seven ten game goes on probably 30, 45 minutes after the conclusion of that game. Both games will be live on Madison. So you can t- check that out. Um, to get your baseball fix for the day. Hopefully you're, again, like I said, joining us live, uh, watching us live, and then we'll carry you right into a round pregame start, maybe a couple hours beforehand. So a full day of Nationals baseball. But, Amy, like I mentioned, you know, we haven't talked in two weeks. Uh, I I got Mark Zuckerman's thoughts. We obviously seen a lot of the uh, fans' reactions to all the moves made. Have not heard your thoughts. What were your initial reactions when you saw that the Nationals traded a bunch of their players, including Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, at the deadline, netting about 12 prospects in return? Well, at first I was like, holy crap. Now looking back on it, seeing all the talent they got, where they rank in this system, it's actually kind of a little bit exciting. However, I do understand Nats fans' frustrations at this time. It's always hard to see players go, especially players like Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Trey Turner, especially, you thought would be there, could play up to 20 years for this organization, be the face of this organization uh, moving forward. I get the frustration, uh, but getting to see all of this talent and getting to see where they rank and how how much they boosted their farm system in just a week it's kind of exciting and i think the most optimistic thing is that it's not it's what was the word a reboot and not a rebuild and you can really see that with what we've seen out of a quarter of these guys that they have gotten in in just this past week yeah we're gonna be talking a lot today about 
uh, how the guys that they have gotten back have already made an immediate impact with the big league club. Um, and we have just getting notification that the Nationals actually selected the pitcher of Sean Nolan, who I believe came back in the trade with the uh, Atlanta, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma, uh, Jesus, Oakland Athletics, um, with by sending over, of course, Jan Gomes uh, and Josh uh, uh, Harrison over to Oakland. Um, I'm just double checking that real quick, and uh, no, he's not. He's he, the Seth, picture. No, they, that was yeah, Seth Schumann and Richard Gosh is who they got in that trade. So it's, uh, he joins the Nationals after a going three and three with a 3.80 ERA in 11 games with AAA Rochester. Uh, the picture they have of him, uh, he is with the Athletics. He pitched with the Athletics uh, a couple of years ago. They drafted him in 2010. Um, he also played for the Toronto Blue Jays, making his major league debut back in 2013. Uh, so a, a, a new face, obviously not too much knowing about him, but of course the Nationals have a uh, um, a double so pseudo doubleheader today. They also transferred Steven Strasburg to the 60-day injured list today. So that's some breaking news, uh, literally as we're going live right now. Uh, again, not a major, major move, but again, just another face that you're going to see on this team coming out of the bullpen probably, um, making a pitch. We'll get to Mason Thompson in a little bit. We'll get to, of course, Josiah Gray and uh, what he's done in his two starts as a national um, of course, Riley Adams had a really good coming onto the scene last Saturday against the Braves. Uh, but just to kind of wrap up my initial questions, uh, Amy, about your thoughts on the, on the trade and everything. Um, you know, w- you mentioned Trey Turner potentially being a franchise piece, and, and it, it sucks to see him go. A lot of fans are upset about that. Where do you fall on the line of, you know, it's more of this was a problem two years ago where they should have resigned him or, you know, the time has come and, and it was the right call to move along right now? You know, it's tough to say because you you listen to Trey Turner and he said, you know, he was open to talks about it and he was open to negotiations and they just never really came. And I think the Nationals kind of have had this idea in their heads for a few years now that probably realistically they weren't going to sign him long term. I mean, you saw with other guys and Bryce Harper and so on, they kind of had trade or or contract talks back and forth about possible numbers. Um, No realistic trades. I mean, no realistic uh, offers that those players were going to take with Trey Turner that really never came onto the table. So I think this was kind of, you know, kind of the plan. And I think, um, if they were going to do it, they probably would have done it before. And it just kind of makes sense. I just really wonder how much, I mean, obviously that last week you heard it from Mike Rizzo himself last week had a lot to do in whether they were going to be buyers or sellers, but it, it really makes you kind of question. I mean, they went all in, it wasn't kind of like they tiptoed the line. So I really wonder if this was just, it was going to happen probably either way. Um, or if that last week really made 100% of the difference. Um, but I, I, I think it has less to do with them doing it, you know, sealing the deal a couple of years ago um, and, and more about kind of where this team stands right now and what they have to do moving forward realistically to contend again within the next few years before Juan Soto um, it becomes a free agent. Yeah, obviously Juan Soto is, of course, is the big question mark moving forward. And we're going to be talking about him a lot over the next couple of years as he approaches his free agency. Again, not until after the 2024 season. So still a couple more seasons of him in a Nationals uniform. But that is going to be the major topic around this team for the next couple of seasons because they most likely will not be contending for a playoff positioning 
2022 or 2023 either. And in Mike Rizzo's mind, maybe they are, right? And maybe that's the, uh, his, his envision that in two or three years, they'll be right back in it. And that's why he's kind of labeling this as a retooling, not a rebuilding, um, you know, adding major league level talent. We saw reports that this is why the Nationals chose to deal Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers because they wanted Josiah Gray and Kiber Ruiz to be a part of the, that package. Two guys who are, if not major league ready now, close to it and, and will be by next season. And so this is the new wave. Tres Barrera titling it the new wave of Nationals prospects and players coming in. And and Mark Zuckerman said it well. You know, we fell in love with these players over the past handful of seasons. There's no reason that we can't fall in love with the new guys coming forward. It's always hard to say goodbye to your first love, but then you can always move along and and welcome in with open arms the new guys and see how they do and cheer them on as they represent uh, the city of D.C. and this Nationals ball club. Um, so let's move on then to the, the heart of the topic, right? Because we've seen these guys in action, at least a handful of them, um, already a fair amount in just the two weeks since the trade deadline. Obviously, the headliner being Josiah Gray, who may, has made two starts with the Nationals. Again, coming a part of that Trey Turner-Max Scherzer deal uh, with the Dodgers. He was one of four prospects Excuse me. that came back from L.A. He is currently the Nationals' number two-ranked prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Two um, starts, like I said, already in, in the major leagues with the, with the Nationals. What have your impressions been so far, Amy, of what Josiah Gray brings uh, to the table? I mean, Josiah Gray has really good stuff, and I think what's so exciting is we're getting to see him right off the bat. I mean, it's not very often uh, that you trade major league guys. You get these prospects back. Or, and you get to see them play right away. You know, that's what makes it so exciting. We don't have to wait three years to see guys like that. We're getting to see him right away, and you have to really, really like what you've seen so far of him. He's thrown 10, 10 innings so far, only given up two earned runs and, and three walks, but he has great stuff. He has a really super high swing and miss rate, and that's from that that slider curveball combo, which seems to really be working. It's throwing hitters off, and that's why he had in his last outing um, 10 strikeouts all swing. So he's done a really good job so far, and he's fitting right into this rotation. And I think potentially he has the ability to fit right in at the front of a rotation at the major league level right away. Yeah, and I think that's, like you said, the the two off-speed pitches that he brings to the table, that is the key right there. That's kind of when you know a pitching prospect is major league ready, when he's no longer just relying heavily on his fastball. He could implement his off-speed stuff. Uh, his breaking balls, like the curveball you mentioned, he's got a slider that he implements. Um, so you know he's been very impressive, and in, you know not an easy lineup with the Braves right there. That's a team looking to compete and, and try to get back into this playoff race. Um, of course, he he placed the Phillies the first time. Uh, his start too, you know Bryce Harper and company, J.T. Romuto held his own against them. Uh, only two earned runs over the ten innings. So yeah, very impressive from him. You can see why the Nationals prioritized him in their conversations with the Dodgers uh, because he, like like we said, he's he's ready now. You know he's going to be in this rotation for the next two months. Uh, get his major league innings in, face major league hitters, and then he'll be ready to go. You know as probably your number three, number four guy uh, in this starting rotation coming into spring training. Now. Next year, so it, it very easy to see why scouts rate him so highly, uh, and, and that you know he was a major part of this. Now it's interesting that he's been traded two times already. His own career that can go both ways, right? That can be like, well, why if he's so good, why are teams so willing to depart with him? But on the other hand, teams are covet him, right? They want him on, in their farm system, uh, and so clearly Mike Rizzo sees this as a guy uh, that 
can be like the next Max Scherzer or, you know, whoever, you know, he's going to be at some point, maybe your number two guy behind Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin uh, in the next couple of seasons as they are on the tail ends of their contracts here mm-hmm. in D.C. and then take over that leading spot. So, yeah, really exciting to see him. Obviously, like I said, great stuff. Tough lineups. Getting the 10 strikeouts against Atlanta on the road was v- was very impressive. And obviously, that was an exciting night with the Nationals coming back late and, and winning that game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that he is clearly everything that he's been made up to be talked about. Uh, you know, all the prospects reading that we've done uh, since he's came over to D.C., everything that scouts have said kind of checks out. And, you know, it's going to be really fun to see him grow uh, over the next couple of months and then how he develops over the offseason and goes into next year. Not to mention, he's been great off the field uh, in his conversations with the media. Very poised young man. He's only 23. Uh, you know, he's you can tell that he's confident, but also, you know, is just a, a, a happy-go-lucky guy and, and is embracing this challenge and uh, opportunity he has. Right, because you kind of forget he's only 23 years old. Yeah. I mean, the way he carries himself off the field and even on the mound. I mean, he goes out there, he's super put together, super poised, um, and he gets right to work. I mean, he throws a ton of first pitches for strikes. He's getting way ahead on counts, and he just goes out there. You wouldn't think he's 23 years old, and, you know, you mentioned that. You can see that off the field as well. Yeah, and a solid frame, too, 6'1", Y90. And, you know, we mentioned that going 23, you know, you would think that he would fill that out in a couple of in a year or two, right? You know, he he could probably be six one, like two ten in a couple of seasons. That's an imposing pitcher on the mound right there. Maybe not as tall as some guys are, but still, you can see the athletic build that he has uh, that he brings to the mound is probably something. Another thing that scouts really rave about, uh, and a strong, strong right hand, of course, and a strong right arm. So he's been very impressive. I think that Nationals fans, you know, if you're looking for a reason to tune in to a Nationals game for the for the remainder of 2021, it's going to be him. Every time he takes the ball, you're going to want to tune in because he represents the future. He represents uh, this new wave. He's probably, right now, because he's been with the, the team at the Major League Club for since the trade, uh, he's going to be the face of this. Every time we see him, we're going to think of the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner deal and this sell-off from two weeks ago. He's going to be the face of this whole movement right now. So every time he takes the mound, it's going to be must-watch. And I think his next start comes Friday. Uh, this Friday. So, you know, he's right back at it after an off day on Monday. Right. I mean, Kbert Ruiz was obviously the big name in that trade, but now Nationals fans, you, you're getting to see Josiah Gray right away and you have to be excited about it. And it's not too often that you you trade away Max Scherzer, uh, obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball, and of course, Trey Turner, uh, who could have been your franchise shortstop, but you're still excited to see who you got in return. So that's exciting. Nats fans should tune in. And yeah, like you said, Friday should be his next start. I think start, it's Friday, so. yeah. Um, just because of the off day on Monday, everything got pushed back a day. Eric Fetty is scheduled to start Thursday's matinee getaway day against the Mets. And then I think Josiah Gray falls in next um, on Friday. Should also mention it's Josiah, not Jojo. Uh, he has asked us to call him <laughs> Josiah. Um, I, I wish I kind of get because, you know, I mean, that's kind of goes back to the maturity level, right? You know, he, he's, he is 23, but, you know, he's at the major league level. That shows to me that, you know, there's a respect factor there. You know, he, he wants to earn people's respect and people need to earn his respect too to be on that level to call him Jojo. And uh, he's right. the only teammates and coaches call him that. Yep. I like it. I, I like it. It's like, because, it's like everyone asks me, he's like, why don't you go by Robert? It's like, well, it's a little too formal. So I'd rather go by Bobby. Josiah is the opposite. He's like, I'd rather be formal than happy-go-lucky because, you know, we're, we don't really know each other just yet. And I'm sure his mom appreciates that yeah. because she named him Josiah, not Jojo. 
they better call him by his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, another pitcher who has been really impressive, and I should have mentioned this from the top, but you know, we have to take all of these numbers and appearances with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, Josiah Gray's only made two starts. The next guy we're talking about, Mason Thompson, only three outings out of the bullpen. Um, I think he technically he's been with the team the longest in terms of on the active roster. I think he was one of the first that they activated after the trades uh, happened. Um, but he's only made three appearances so far. Three scoreless appearances, though. Pretty impressive by stuff by Mason Thompson. Talk about our presence on the mound. This kid is huge, um, and he has been able to perform very mightily um, against opposing hitters coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, you mentioned not giving up a run so far. He's only given up four hits and just a walk in those three games and four strikeouts. And, you know, Davey Martinez is talking about, we were talking about Josiah Gray being able to get ahead and count. Davey Martinez kind of talks about that with Mason Thompson. Um, For him, it's just getting ahead of guys, throwing that first pitch for a strike. And when he's able to do that, he's finding success. He has really good movement. He just needs to stick true to that and throw them for strikes. But this is another big, big uh, right-hander that he was nice in the Padres system um, and fits right right into this Nationals bullpen. Yeah, and he's uh, hasn't allowed a run yet. Three scoreless has given up four hits and a walk though to four strikeouts. Um, a, a, his whip is a little higher than you might have want to see for a reliever coming up closer to two than it is to one. Um, and but like we said, just two and two thirds innings, not too much of a sample size right there. Uh, and and to to go along with what I was. Breaking news earlier today, the other move that I didn't mention was that the Nationals also optioned Sam Clay to AAA. Uh, So Sean Nolan comes up, a left-hander, and Sam Clay goes down. Sam Clay was, of course, a guy that was taking a lot of innings and was being put in a lot of tough spots. I'm not saying, I mean, I know it's left-handed versus right-hander, but, you know, with a guy that Davey Martinez relied so heavily on going down now, how much does he trust Sean Nolan? Does this open a door for Mason Thompson? My guess would be yes, and Mason would get some more looks out of the bullpen, maybe in higher leverage situations, and we'll see those innings creep up and see what he's got. Maybe he can lower that whip and still have the, the strikeout numbers that we're looking for. Right. I mean, this bullpen has always been righty dominant. Uh, Davey Martinez hasn't really been able to play around with that those lefty matchups just because of the lack of lefties in this bullpen. So I don't know how much that we'll really have to do with it because they haven't really had that luxury the entire season. Uh, but it's certainly going to give more opportunities for guys like Mason Thompson uh, and Sean Nolan. Um, what was I going to say, Bobby? I just forgot it. Um, yeah, but far really too often for us. Yeah, far too often. Um, but oh, what I was going to say is what they need is they needed a starter. They needed another bullpen arm and they needed more catching depth. And it's crazy that they got these guys in these trades and they're able to fill those positions right away. You don't see that too often. So it kind of works out really well. Um, and Mason Thompson's just a just a really good addition and part of that equation. Yeah, I think that kind of goes along with what or how we kind of started the, the episode, right? Talking about the decision to go through this. And, and like you said, they, they decided to go all in on this. They were not going to settle for guys that weren't going to actually add depth and be able to contribute sooner rather than later. You know, this wasn't a, a sell off to add debt. I mean, it was in a sense to like, because the nationals farm system was rated so poorly. So really there was nowhere to go, but up anyways. But my point being that, you know, this was a sell off to get good sooner rather than later. This wasn't a, a, an idea to trade guys and then have guys ready. That will be, that won't, be in the big leagues for another two or three years. No, like we said, this is going to be for guys that were going to be ready now in September 
and for the early part of next season and, and, and for probably for the most part of next season. It, 2022 might be a, a rough year for the Nationals, but you're going to see a lot of young guys come up, you know, probably a Kate Cavalli, maybe a Jackson Relich if he can stay healthy. Obviously, definitely a Kiber Ruiz and, and a Mason Thompson and a Josiah Gray, all those guys. They're going to play the majority of the games probably next year, and that's going to be really exciting to watch. So they're not going to win too much probably, but it will be exciting to see these developments firsthand um, as they go on. And, and, and Mike Rizzo added an influx of talent. Uh, you, you get six trades, you move eight players and acquire 12 back. Um, seven of them, uh, the players that seven of the eight that you traded were on expiring contracts. Ten of the twelve prospects you got back are already in the Nationals' top thirty. That's a huge number, and that obviously is going to boost this farm system in a way that we haven't seen in over a decade. Probably, uh, you know, they were always pretty good up until the mid twenty tens, and then they've been in the lower half ever since. And and Mason Thompson is one of those guys. He comes in as sixteenth overall uh, in this farm system, and he's already contributing at the major league level. Six seven over two twenty pounds huge guy and you can tell that he's already pretty close to major league ready well yeah and the key on that and the great thing is like like you mentioned 10 of those 12 are in the nats top 33 or in the nats top 10 now and really they dealt seven loaners seven yeah. rentals and they got all 12 a dozen guys back and 10 of them are already in their top 30 so for seven loaners that's not too bad a big influx in talent i don't know how much those rankings have to do with how poorly the nats farm system ranked before uh but certainly we're already seeing the talent that these guys are providing so it's exciting um but the key i think the takeaway there is that they did it dealing eight guys seven them seven of them on expiring contracts yep and when you decide that that's the path you need to take you kind of need to go all in like we said uh, they were able to trade john lester right and, and for lane thomas who is with the team right now as a part of their travel squad so he could be activated any single day of the week while they're on the road uh Juan Soto's back but you know they got someone back who could contribute at the major level for John Lester I mean that's that's <laughs> as good as you can get right <laughs> I know. And uh, Lane Thomas, I think, is the guy we probably want to touch on because just like you mentioned, that's the guy we're probably going to see um, pretty soon. And they were able to get it for John Lester. I mean, he was the last one to go, and I never imagined that they could get anything back for him. But this is a guy who could realistically be a fifth outfielder for this team at this point. Um, he's played in three games with Rochester so far, hit a home and hit a home run, and has gotten five hits in those three games. So he can play all spots of the outfield. He's played second base at well as well, and he's has the most major league experience out of any of these guys. I think he's played over 80 games um, at, at the big league level. So he's a guy we're probably going to see pretty soon. And the fact that they got him uh, for John Lester, the season that he's had uh, season that he had with the nationals so far to the point where he got dealt um, is surprising and really good because he could contribute right away. Yeah, Thomas played 32 games with the Cardinals this season at the major league level. And according to MLB Pipeline, uh, he was their fastest base runner and best defensive outfielder in their system, ranked as high as nine coming into this season. So, you know, I mean, if he turns into, I think I said this last week with Mark, if he turns into uh, Andrew Stevenson 2.0, that's still a win, right? You have a fifth outfitter, guy you can rely on defensively, maybe hopefully a guy you can rely on to get on base and maybe be a base threat uh, to steal some bags while he's on base. That's Better than two more months of John Lester in a season that no longer has any competitive meaning, right? Right, especially in the outfield, which seems to be have been a, a position of need with injuries so far this season. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you right there. Yeah. And then one more uh, that has already been up here right now. And, right, you know, he was the hero the other night in Atlanta. 
uh, before we get to other guys that we could possibly see this season. Riley Adams, uh, the catcher they got from Toronto uh, for Brad Hand, was the first trade they made uh, heading in before the deadline last or two weeks ago. Um, you know, the offensive numbers... Again, limited action hasn't been fantastic, but of course he will always have that home run uh, against the Braves attached to his name, and uh, fans will always think about that as he moves forward with his Nationals career. Small sample size, but what do you think of what you've seen from Riley Adams so far, uh, Amy? Right, like you mentioned, only four games, only eight at bats, and the only hit was that home run. But that shows he can hit in, in timely situations, and that has to give him a little bit of confidence moving forward. Because realistically, it was Riley Adams um, that broke that five game. He had that yeah. go ahead home run. I mean, the game winning home run. So he's realistically the one that broke that five game losing streak for the Nationals. So to come right in and do that is exciting. I think that'll give him confidence moving forward. Small sample size, but has the bat. Um, has the defensive skills behind the plate and I, I think we could see more of him moving forward and it's certainly a position of need they also got two other other catchers at the at the deadline um of course Ruiz being the big name but we're seeing Riley Adams right away and I, I like what I see so far yeah you mentioned the position of need I think that's a a big thing uh I, when uh Mike Rizzo made this move to to bring in Riley Adams I think that signified that they acknowledge that they need a big league catcher ready. I mean, for so long, we've seen them try to piece together um, that position. It's a very important position. And, hey, Jan Gomes was having a great season, hence how they were able to trade him. Alex Avila has not turned out well. He can't stay healthy. He also has had a COVID issue. Um, and they haven't had, like, an in-house top catcher and prospect since Wilson Ramos, and that was over a decade ago. So, you know, they we were kind of – I'm. I, I know I personally am. I know Nationals fans are, are just kind of overseeing – um, you know, uh, signing Matt Weeters, uh, you know, who on the tail end of his career, uh, trying to get it done with Pedro Severino, stuff like that. You know, catcher is an important position. Mike Rizzo always talks about going up the middle uh, when when uh, putting together his team. And by the like you said, getting three catchers back in these deals signify that they also acknowledge that they're very very low in this position. Uh, the only other catcher they had in their system, aside from Tres Barrera, who, of course, is now with the Nationals right now, is Israel Pineda. Uh, he has not p played above high A uh, yet, so he was still a couple of seasons away. And, yeah, Kieber Ruiz, like you said, will probably be the guy uh, that you'll see in a Nationals uniform behind the plate, guiding a Josiah Gray, guiding a Cade Cavalli, Jackson Rutledge uh, a couple years down the line. But Riley Adams could very well be a fantastic backup plan. And we've, like we said, Tres Pereira has done well too, but Riley Adams just adds depth to this, uh, to the organization where they desperately needed it. Um, and the small sample size, you know, those numbers aren't, nothing stands out too much, but, you know, give him time and maybe he turns into something else. Right. And then they also got Drew Milas. Milas? Is that I think how you I'm going Milas. Okay, uh, from the A's, and he obviously is behind these two at that position, but it's another catcher, more depth, and needs to could be better defensively, actually, than both of these. He's supposed to be yeah. really, really good behind the plate. Uh, so that's something to look forward to as well. So really building up at, at catcher, getting these young catchers, which is something they've never really done. They've always just kind of filled that spot at the big league level with veteran guys, um, you know, whatever, the more cheap free agents so this is exciting to see maybe they can develop it from within at that position moving forward yeah and, and you know what i mean not to go off topic too much but while we're talking about catchers i mean tres barrera 
pretty solid so far. You know, again, limited action, what, it's about a month or so that he's been up permanently for the Major League roster. He's probably going to get, even when Alex Avila does get healthy, if he does, and comes back, we're probably going to see a lot more Tres Barrera and hopefully Kiber Ruiz than we will see Alex Avila uh, behind the plate. And, and then also Adla Riley Adams, too. So, you know, those are three guys who are currently in your top 30 that you're going to see behind the plate almost every single day. That's, again, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and Alex Avila is what? What is his injury right now? I know he's, he's off the COVID IL now, but he's on the regular IL. Oh, yeah. he's been on the regular IL since early yeah. July. Yeah. yeah, I think he was like one of maybe only player ever to go on the IL while already on the oh. IL. IL, yeah. <laughs> uh, he hurt both of his calves that one start in early when, July when he was in uh, the infield. Yeah, yeah, when he was an emergency second baseman. Uh, which you know, that's that's you know. He was obviously out of position and, and not uh, where he was supposed to be. I don't think he'd ever played second base, even as, as a professional. Uh, and he hurt both of his calves. I don't know how you do that, but he did um, and has not been able to get back on the field. I think he was close to like catching bullpens, but has not done any base running yet. And then he went on the COVID I.O. Okay. Yeah. But like you mentioned, Trace Barrera, it's been really good to see him because that's the whole time, you know, they just filled that spot with free agents or so on and so forth. And you wanted to see these guys that they've had in their organization for quite a few years. So it's been good to see him out there almost every day. And then now, of course, Riley Adams contributing at that position too. Yeah. Well, those are the guys that we've already seen appear in a Nationals uniform. I think the next big question, Amy, that everyone's pretty much wondering is when will we see Kiber Ruiz? Um, Right now, they're obviously okay at catcher. Uh, Riley Adams and Tres Barrera. Uh, Kiber Ruiz's numbers down at AAA Rochester aren't great either. Uh, I think he's done pretty well behind the plate, but at the plate, I think he has just about one home run and an RBI, um, and I think over 18 at-bats or so, five, eight games, something like that. So when do you think we'll see Kiber? I, I, I'm assuming we'll definitely see him before the season ends. I just can't put a hard timeline on it right now. Right. I'm kind of right there with you because he has struggled so far at the AAA level, but he is described as having some of the best contact skills in all of minor league baseball. So, you know, it's there. Um, he does. He's described as being an average defender. So he has some work to do behind the plate, but he has a good arm. He has good skills. He has room to grow. Um, I don't think there's a need to rush him up right now, because like you said, there's not necessarily a, a pressing a position of need. I think if they ha were in the situ situation that they were just a few weeks ago they might have brought him right up uh, just because of the promise that he shows and obviously what a highly touted prospect he is I think we'll see him uh, before the season's up but right now there's really no need to rush him and unless things really go down the tubes with the other two yeah that's true I mean if something you know if if Riley Adams never gets hits again <laughs> yeah hits again he does if that one home run is the only hit we see from him for the rest of the season it might be time to give someone else a chance. I, I, I'm like I said, I'm counting on Tres Barrera being back there for the majority of the time. Maybe that will be a good person for Kibe Ruiz to come up and kind of learn from. Tres has been in the system for a long time. He knows these pitchers pretty well. Uh, he even like was saying that you know he he knew he knows Max he knew Max Scherzer pretty well just from spring training. So you know he knows these guys pretty well. And in my mind, you know they're. Eight games back, you know, we're pretty much punting on this season, right? So why not bring him up and, and have him catch Josiah Gray, you know, 
five times in September right. and, and, and Patrick Corbin a couple of times in September. Uh, just Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, these guys that are gonna, definitely going to be here next season. Might as well start getting familiar right now because, you know, that way you're not trying to build those relationships in the earlier part of spring training and putting yourself even further behind the ball. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Good point. And Bobby, I was just looking. It looks like Sean Nolan was supposed to start for Rochester tonight. Um, ah. So I wonder if that fits anything into the fact that the Nats have a doubleheader today. Yep. Won't have a starter. That'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But well, Davey's going to talk in just a couple of minutes. I'm sure he'll announce that Sean Nolan will be starting uh, the second game tonight because it is just a seventh inning game. Um, so they're probably just going to do some kind of bullpen game, which is tough because look, they have, they're starting the second tonight. So, and they're finishing the nine. So that's seven plus seven. Uh, so that's 14 innings today. And then they come back and play at noon tomorrow, another nine. So they're looking mm-hmm. to cover like 23 innings over the next less than 24 hours. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of baseball. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to need a, a lot of arms. Yeah, a lot of arms. You know, the, I'm sure we'll get a couple of roster moves tomorrow morning as well. You know, maybe Sam Clay will come right back. Uh, they, I don't, I'm pretty sure they get a 27th man uh, today, and I don't, not quite sure who that would be. Uh, but like we, right. it, you know, it could be Lane Thomas because you know he's with the uh, he's with the squad, the tra- the taxi squad in New York. But uh, so that clears up some why that news came out right as we were at the top of the hour. Uh, with our show so that makes a lot more sense um just another arm that you're gonna have to get used to and you know maybe he pitches well and gets another chance to come back down here uh and, and pitch at some point down the line and hopefully that doesn't mean anyone gets hurt though right because me personally i don't know about you amy i want to see joe ross eric fetty and patrick corbin finish this season because we need to know what we got from these guys Right. And that's what I was going to say is the really good thing with the Nationals, not the really good thing, because you want the Nationals to be winning and you want them to be competing for a playoff spot. But the good thing is there's a lot of lot less pressure off of this team, not only the rotation, those guys, you know, they don't have to go out there and have a you know perfect six innings every outing. They can work on what they need to work on. You obviously want them to win and have good outings, but, you know, there's less pressure. And same thing with this lineup. I mean, you're getting to see Carter Kibum and Luis Garcia. I mean, these are guys that are getting a lot more at bats and a lot less pressure. We knew when Carter Kibum came up before and was named everyday third baseman, he he didn't produce. He's a producing a lot more this time around and it, the, the less pressure no need to win not in playoff contention i think is good for both this rotation and the lineup at this point especially with those young guys all right all right three questions for you before we get out of here we don't have to dwell too much on them uh first one being don't mean to bring this up for nationals fans but we've got someone talking about it in our comments section uh elaine talking about it on the, our facebook did you see trey turner's slide from the dodgers last night I did. It was pretty awesome. Pretty slick. <laughs> pretty slick. I've never seen anything like it. I feel like he has done something like that with the Nationals. Really? But, you know, a couple of years ago. But just the, the cool slide in, touch the plate, jump like up. Like it and was walk nothing. And yeah. Just, yeah, like it was nothing. Also, I, did I also feel bad for Trey in the sense of his trip. I mean, he got COVID. Yeah. He was traded. He couldn't join his new team. Then he flew across the country to join his new team for like a handful of days and then flew right back to the East Coast because they're in Philly this week. Right, and never even couldn't say goodbye to his old teammates I, either. Yeah, because of COVID. So it's, it's been a rough two weeks for Trey Turner. I do I do <laughs> emphasize, uh, empathize with him, and uh, you know I hope that uh, Nationals fans kind of join me in that because you know I, I think we're all going to be Trey Turner fans for the rest of his career, right? You know, unless he joins 
the Phillies <laughs> or something like that right. when free agency. Um, uh, you know, it's when trades happen like this, you know, you can never really blame the players. Right. It's a lot easier to root against Bryce Harper and on the Phillies. Yeah. It's going to be hard to root against Trey Turner, I think, no matter where he is. Yeah. But especially while he's out there in L.A., you, you have to you have to love him. Uh, Sherwin on Facebook is asking who had the better fire sale, the Nats or the Cubs? I think it's a very interesting question, and I don't know the answer off the top of my head. I have not looked too deeply at who the Cubs got back for trading off all their players as much as obviously I have with the Nationals. That's hard to say, but I just look at the Nationals numbers, you know, eight, eight for 12. Eight, seven of the eight were guys on expiring contracts, and then 10 of the 12 are already in your top 30, including your top two, and then th- one more in your top 10. I mean, that's, for, for me, pretty hard to beat. Right. I'm with you there. I mean, you got a top 20 prospect in all of baseball. You look at all of those numbers, where they rank. I would go with Nationals, but just like you, I would have to go back, look at who, who the Cubs got back and and break down those numbers too. But we'll go with the Nationals for now since – that's what that's what sounds best, and we'll give Nationals fans a little vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that by saying I, I think they both – I just hope both teams have fun. I think they both did the right thing. <laughs> I think they both did the right thing. You know, I, the Cubs, I think, were way closer to this than this point that's than the Nationals. That's what I was going to say. The one thing is, is you saw it coming with the Cubs, and yeah. they had time to prepare, and you expected, and they should have gotten a good bit back for, you know, all they gave up. With the Nationals, you didn't see it coming as much, and they were able to get a lot with kind of the unexpected. And, you know, we're kind of fortunate this wasn't happening for the Nationals in two years, right? That they've decided to do this now instead of in two years. Because, you know, if we're going by the Cubs' timeline, the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, the Nationals in 2019. That means we were probably, you know, logically three years behind them if they had a rebuild right now. By deciding mm-hmm. to do it right now, you're putting yourselves a couple of years ahead of it and uh, hopefully are getting closer to being competitive instead of that being five years down the line. Hopefully it's two or right. three. Because now you look back on it and it's like, okay, like let's say they just made, missed the playoffs this year and then you didn't get anything for Max Scherzer. You have all these guys that you had on one-year deals. You know, you, you're not going to be able to compete in 2022. It would have kind of been like a, a, a big letdown. So it kind of is hopefully going to work out for the best. And by the time Juan Soto reads free agency or the year before, they're able to compete again. All right, my last one for you, Amy, is uh, obviously about our, the former number one prospect in the national system, now the number three, Cade Cavalli. Do you bring up Cade this year in September to give him a taste of the major leagues, or do you wait? I think you wait. I, think I, you wait I don't too. think we're going to see him until 2022, but I think we will see him close to the beginning of the season in 2022. I think he's going to be a part of this rotation. Yeah. I, 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 I what think- do you think? I think he's figured out double-A hitters, which is a great sign. He's done a lot better recently than when he first got to Harrisburg, uh, striking out a high number and walking less, a little bit less, which is good to see. But, yeah, I agree. I think there's – I mean, this is also a guy that was drafted last year, was a junior out of college, didn't play at all in, a, in any capacity last season, and then now is in his first full league, uh, full season as a professional baseball player. Let him finish that out at double-A, right? Maybe right. – Maybe he gets a call up to AAA, if, but I, I don't think Rochester is playoff bound, so their season's going to end kind of early. Uh, but I let him finish at AA, build his confidence, keep up uh, with those hitters, and then see where he comes out in, in spring training next year. There's no, I agree. There's no need to rush him right now, especially if he's going to be your future one, two, or th- top three guy. Uh, there's, yeah. I mean, why start that clock right now? There's, there's no point. 
Right. And he's having some some serious command issues. So let him let him work that out. It yeah. seems like he is starting to work him out, work it out. Let him work it out in the minor leagues, finish this season uh, in his first full minor league season and then bring him bring him up next year. There's no need to rush him, um, especially a guy who's had injury history throughout his career. It wasn't even a full way pitcher for all of his career. Right. Uh, until the majors, so no need to rush him. Yep, yep. Wasn't starting pitching at Oklahoma until I think his sophomore season. He entered them as a position player, which is pretty, pretty interesting. All right, last one coming in, last second, hitting the buzzer at on Facebook. Andrew Hawkins, how will Davey manage now? Will he take more chances to see what this young group can do? What is Ryan Zimmerman's future uh, with this farewell tour now? Uh, to answer the Zimmerman question. He's still going to play the same role, I think. I mean, don't forget, Josh Bell is still here. He can't play first base every single day now. Um, you know, he needs a backup first baseman. They don't have a young backup first baseman right now. I don't think you're going to see Jake Knoll come up anytime soon. Uh, only, God forbid, bearing an injury. Uh, I think Zim is still going to play his role in this team, and you're going to see him talking a lot to the young guys in the dugout, adding pointers, uh, giving tips, stuff like that. Um, you know, we we've seen... We've already heard some of the young guys say that he's the guy that they rely on and, and love talking to and are interested to hear from. So I think he's going to play that role. What this means for going forward, I don't know. That's an off-season conversation we can have in a couple months. Um, but as far as how Davey's going to manage, I think he's pretty openly said the young guys are going to get their chance to play. And and they should. There's no reason they're not, you know, really competing right now. Give those young guys a chance, especially even the guys that you've had in your organization, like Carter Keboom, like Luis Garcia, give them a chance to play every day. Um, There's no reason not to, you know, they're, testing Victor Robles. He's another guy who needs to come through at the top of the lineup in that leadoff spot. Again, you know, Josh Bell, you're seeing in the outfield. So I think he's going to, you know, manage more freely and give these guys a chance. And Ryan Zimmerman has really stepped up. Of course, he's always been the veteran leader on this team for a couple years now. Uh, but he stepped up and said, you know, we won a World Series with these guys. It's baseball. You know, they come, they have to go. Sad to see him go, but there's a lot of young talent in this organization. And for now, he's going to be the leader. And who knows? We could see Ryan Zimmerman in on another one-year contract. It's really hard to tell with him. I think if he wants to keep playing, he's already said that this is where he wants to play. He's only going to play here. And if he wants to keep playing and he'll play at that minimum, I, I, I don't think there's any reason why not to bring him back so you have your backup first baseman right there, especially, like I said, with no immediate you know, top prospect coming at that position, knocking on the door uh, right there. Um, all right. Well, that's going to that's gonna pretty much do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Kind of a short one, but, you know, a lot of uh, fun, young, interesting talent to talk about. And, of course, we'll be following along for the rest of the season, breaking it all down, what we've seen on the field, hearing from the young players uh, throughout the course of the last two months. So be sure to stick tuned. Uh, follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. You can follow the Mass on All Access podcast. Amy and I will be going live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So hit subscribe. Uh, hit the notifications button so you know exactly when we're going live. And you can chime in, tune in, and uh, comment along. We really appreciate you guys commenting along. Some great questions and comments today through, uh, throughout the show. So we really appreciate that. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter. Be sure to give her a follow. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. You can give me a follow. I'll be covering the final game against New York on Thursday afternoon. That's tomorrow morning uh so you can catch my work on massinsports.com amy thanks so much for joining me we'll talk to you soon good to be back see ya all right that's gonna do it for this week's episode thanks again so much for tuning in stay safe stay healthy guys and we'll talk to you next week